Welcome to the podcast where we talk about all the things that are hidden in the shadows. This is Isaac, and on my bonus episode, I'm actually interviewing my padre-in-law, Joe. What's going on, Joe? Not a whole lot. Rainy day outside. <laughs> yeah. Let's do a podcast. Yeah. Uh, so today we're going to talk about the story that you told me one of the few times we actually first met, um, way before I started dating Megan, that uh, I was blown away that this all happened in one day. Yeah, uh, basically a 12-hour period, roughly, about 12 hours, mid-afternoon to early morning hours, next morning. Yeah, um, because you told the story to me like a Tarantino style, like go back and forth, but uh, you got all your, you got it all planned out now, so. Yeah, I tried to get all the facts straight. Uh, When I explained it to you... That was years ago now, yeah. even. And then it happened decades before that. But, you know, your memory comes to you. You know, I wasn't thinking, hey, I'm going to tell Isaac this story tonight. You know, so it was like, well, this happened, that happened. Then I'd remember, oh, yeah, and this had happened, but that happened earlier. So it was it was really out of sequence when you heard it. I've told the story before to people in sequence. <laughs> so... Without further ado, uh, your uh, most in, what, intriguing experience of your life, at least one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, to set it up, in our school, this is uh, senior year of high school. It is late May 1987, right about Memorial Day. And we're in the boys' locker room, advanced P.E., Yes, I was one of those kids, took advanced <laughs> PE. And there's two group, there were two cliques in the school as far as military. We had kids that were planning on joining the Army after graduation, those who were joining the Marine Corps, and they hated each other. And there was a kid in the Army faction, so to speak, that I hated anyway. You know, regardless of anything else, I had always hated that kid. He didn't like me. And I only jumped in. I actually wasn't going to join the Marine Corps. I eventually did years later. But at that time, I wasn't going to join the Marine Corps. But I wanted to be on the opposite side of that kid. And my best friend was joining the Marine Corps. And another one of my best friend's father was a retired Marine. So it it made sense. I was in that group. And this is back before the days of paintball and and laser tag and that type of stuff. So... They were claiming they were better shots than us, and they were better, like, warriors. You know, stupid high school argument locker room. So, the two warring factions decided to have a BB gun war. Friday afternoon, after school, it was a, uh, like I said, it was, I think, Memorial, it would have to have been Memorial Day weekend. So, we had a long weekend, and they recruited me to be in it. To make the numbers straight. And I was there for the argument. So I said yes. And thought it was all kind of juvenile. But then I thought, eh, you know, shoot the kid I hate with a BB. That's cool. <laughs> so, you know, I did it. Planned on doing it. And uh, as it got around school and, and to our friends and all that, our friends were coming up and, and they wanted to be witness. So it all morphed and through lunch and then by the end of the school day, it ended up being, well, there was a group of us that were going to go out 
going to be part of this BB gun war, then we were going to camp out overnight out there in the woods where we're having a BB gun, BB gun war. And then, you know, next day, we had plans for next day. I don't remember exactly what they were, movies in the arcade or something like that. You know, typical 1980s stuff. And how it ended up, the group that went out was Bobby and me. Uh, we were the two that showed up for the BB gun war. And then their friends, Mike, came out. Don't know his last name. Didn't know him. Then Bobby's girlfriend came out. And she brought her little sister because she was babysitting. And then Dave came out, one of my friends. Came out because he was interested. Like I said, his father was a retired Marine, so... He wanted to see this thing in action. He didn't really... The idea of a BB gun war, he was like, what? <laughs> you know, so he had to explain it. It's like, basically, just you wear goggles to make sure you don't get hit in the eye. And then other than that, you just wear, like, sweats with camis on top so it doesn't hurt as much. <laughs> you get shot, then you're out type of thing. Get shot in the arm, you're not out. You have to actually get shot, shot in the head or in the chest, and then that's a, a kill shot, and you're out. Uh, then you go back to the point you normally do rounds when there's only a couple of guys on a team. So anyway, they picked the spot, a spot I'd never been to before. Out in the woods, this is northern Virginia near the Bull Run Battlefield, Civil War Battlefield, where Stonewall Jackson got his name, all that stuff. So it's a famous place, but we were off in Nowhereville back in the woods, uh, Dead End Road. So we go back there. We actually got there first, and we're waiting. We weren't sure if we're in the right place. We scouted around a little bit, thinking, let's do some recon, you know, so we know what we're getting into here. Because we thought they knew everything about the place, because they picked it. So we run around, I find out, okay, there's a big hill, comes down, you got a creek, gets kind of deep in a couple places, you know, five, six feet, which for a creek is, you know, pretty deep. And very muddy. There had been a lot of rain lately, so very muddy, so there was going to be tracks. So it's like, okay, we know what we're looking at. They show up, bunch of trash talking. We do a coin flip to decide who's on the defensive, who's on the offensive. They get the defensive position. So they go out and they make like their home base. We don't know where it is. And then we have to find it and then attack them. And uh, This is all the rules that Bobby and the other guy came up with. And... uh I was an athlete at the time, endurance athlete. I was a basketball player, long-distance runner. So Bobby wanted to use that. And once we figured out where their fort was, he wanted me to run out to the highway. And actually, I think I was the stupid one that suggested it. And he said yes. He was team captain. I ran like two miles out to the highway, then ran up the highway about two miles, then just took a right turn and went into the woods, climbed up a, a big hill, small mountain, whatever you want to call it, got to the top, and then was coming down the other side to come up behind them. And we thought, this is so extreme, they'll never guess this. You know, this this tactic, they'll never guess this. That I literally run all the way around the entire area and come up behind them. They'll never be looking for me. So we thought, great idea. So we do it. 
So I'm running out to the highway, take a turn, run down the highway. Then I try and guesstimate about when I'm past their fort. And then I go back into the woods, you know, up the hill, have to climb over fence at the highway. And then I'm going up, going over. And I'm thinking, man, this is taking me longer than I thought it would be. Because I'm wearing boots and camis and stuff. And we're wearing, it's late May, but I'm wearing multiple layers because I'm going to get shot with BBs. <laughs> so I'm sweating like crazy. And I'm going slow. And I'm thinking, wow, this is a bad idea. I really need to pick it up going down this hill. So I crest the, the hill. And this is a forested hill. It's not open field. It's a forested hill. And I start tearing down the hill at full speed. You know, when you're just kind of like throwing your legs out in front of you. You know, as you're going down, you're not actually running. It's gravity pulling you down the hill, and you're just trying to stay upright. And I trip over something and just face plant. (laughs) I mean, hard. Like, Hmm. I feel like I got punched in the face by a truck. And I slide. And I get up, and I'm thinking to myself, what what did I trip over? And did did they hear it? I'm still far enough away that no one heard it. I turn and I look, see what I tripped over. And it's a bloody horse skull. Mm. And I think, wow, that's kind of weird. But I don't really think a whole lot about it at the time. I think, okay, it's the woods, Virginia. There are horses, you know. So I get up, clean myself off, make sure nothing's broken because I I hit that hard. (laughs) And then I continue down. And... At that point where I was, I'd ran too far. And when I got down to the creek, there's a 10-foot chain-link fence keeping me from the creek. And I think, okay, this may not have been a great idea. So now i got to climb this chain-link fence, get over the chain-link fence, which isn't a big deal when you're 18 and healthy. But it's a BB gun war, and I'm climbing 10 feet up in the air. <laughs> where everyone, You can see me for a quarter mile in each direction. And it makes noise. I climb up and I climb over. I get in the water and I'm coming up and it goes just just as we planned. Bobby had engaged them from the front. They're both looking at Bobby. And I get right up behind them about 20 yards away and I shoot one of them. And I hit him right in the back, square. He's out. The other one turns and starts shooting at me. I dump down in the water. Uh, I shimmy as far as I can go holding my breath because... I really couldn't swim. So I'm underwater and I'm, I'm, so he couldn't shoot me and hoping he'd lose sight of me. I get over to the side and I go to climb up and I realize as I'm climbing up, I'm climbing into a sticker bush. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I climb into the sticker bush and I'm wearing enough padded clothes that it really doesn't hurt much. And this guy, he's waiting, he's coming down the creek playing like Rambo with just his eyes and his his weapon out of the water, you know, doing the whole Rambo thing. And he literally comes right in front of me, and I literally, I'm, the barrel of my BB gun is six inches from his head, and I shoot him. (laughs) And I hit him in the temple, which was my intention, not thinking that a BB can, like, really hurt you. And he went under the water, and I thought, oh, you know, Oh gosh, oh gosh, I started freaking out. And I got out of the sticker bush and reached in and grabbed him, pulled him out. He was not happy. Uh, he was a little befuddled by it. You know, I 
it's not a concussion, but whatever you want to call it, he was like really sort of out of it for a second. So we go back to, to, to the cars, we win, blah, 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 trash talking, you know, pushing, shoving, all the high school stuff. They leave. We're celebrating with our friends and we say, okay, let's go, you know, pitch our tent. Let's go camp. So they leave. We go down this trail, uh, 50 yards, maybe not real deep into the woods, but when everything's woods in every direction, it's pretty, pretty deep in there. We found a little area and clearing and there's a tackle box sitting next to the water with a fishing pole in the water. And we're looking around and Bobby asked me, he said, did you see anyone out here? And I was like, no, I didn't come across anybody. And we're looking around and it's, it's all like right there, like. It hadn't been there for a long time. It, everything looked like it had just been unpacked relatively, you know, a couple hours maybe, something. And we said, okay, well, let's not let's not camp here because they may, you know, think we're trying to steal their stuff or whatever. So let's go down. So we go down like another 20, 30 yards. There's another smaller opening. So we pitched a tent there. Uh, they go, the guys go about collecting to make a little fire and everything, a little fire pit and all. Trying to do all the safety stuff. And you learn in Cub Scouts and all. And I tell Bobby in privacy uh, about the bloody horse skull. And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> I tripped over a bloody horse skull and like face planted. Hmm. And uh, he wanted to see it. So we made up a story. We said we were going to look for whoever's fishing pole that was, make sure they're okay. And I take him to the bloody horse skull, and it's not a bloody horse skull. I didn't realize it at the time when I was in a rush. I had kicked one bloody horse skull down the hill, and then when I looked to see what I tripped over, I found that. But further up, where I had ran through, it was a circle of bloody horse skulls. I think like I think there were eight still there, so there were nine total. Mm. And they weren't like old horse skulls that had been dug up or, you know, were fake or something. They were horse skulls. They were bloody, like still had blood on them. And they were in a circle, aside from the one that I had kicked out, like a game of marbles. Mm. And uh it kind of freaked us out because the first thing Bobby said was that's satanic and I thought like burial ground like this is where some local farmer throws all his horse carcasses you know was what I thought first thing Bobby said was that's satanic that's a circle that is done on purpose and all the heads were facing inward yeah like looking at each other but there's nothing in the center there's no type of where a fire had been or, or anything like that. It wasn't like Blair Witch with stuff hanging in the trees. It was just the bloody horse skulls. And we kicked around the leaves and everything, you know, not the underbrush, whatever you want to call it, and found a couple of other bones, but they weren't part of the circle. So anyway, Bobby got really spooked, which got me starting to get spooked. So we went back and we were going to suggest, hey, let's, uh, let's cancel the camping thing. And we go back down there, still no sign of whose fishing tackle 
it was. And we said to him, ah, maybe this is something we shouldn't be getting involved with. Let's let's go camp somewhere else or let's let's go do something else. This is boring now. But we were outvoted. Everyone else wanted to stay. Everyone. So we sat there and, you know, started to eat something. Uh, you know, beanie weenies, that type of stuff. Camp food. And got out. And then finally, as it started to get dark, admitted to the others, hey, look, this is what we found. We don't want to be here. <laughs> we should leave. They didn't believe us. They thought it was a prank. Because I was a prankster when I was younger. I'm sure you could probably figure that out. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we took them. But we had to hurry because it was starting, sun was starting to get low. So we take them up there and we show it to them. That's the idea. We get there. They're all gone. Oh, shit. It's all gone. Now, maybe someone saw me and Bobby messing around up there and collected the evidence and got it out of there because we had found their secret place. Or it could have been something just as simple as we weren't in the right place. You know what I mean? I mean, these are woods we had not been in. So maybe we just couldn't find them. Who knows? I think they were moved because I, I know where I, because I came off the highway that first time at a specific spot because the fence had been bent down and it was easier for me to climb over. So we were at that spot and then went straight up the same way. So we couldn't have been off by that much. But in any case, it was all gone. They didn't believe us. Now me and Bobby are really getting spooked because we think, okay, there was something here. Because yeah. if it had been a farmer just throwing away dead horse bodies, you know, because he had nowhere to dispose of them, he wouldn't have came and cleaned it up because two high school kids saw them. You know. So we start heading down, and uh, we get to, the, get to the fence. We go to climb up the fence, and the thing about the fence is when you climb up the 10-foot fence, it's wiggly because the, the posts are in the, the bank, of the creek so mm. it's not the most stable it's not like in concrete and it was kind of wiggly so as you climb up there's a tree that a big tree limb comes up and comes over the creek and you sort of brace yourself put one hand on that to brace yourself as you put your legs over and then you crawl down and go in well this guy that came with bobby uh mike he was like a wild guy and uh he he climbed up there. He got out on the tree branch, big thick tree branch. This is a two hundred pound guy and uh high school football player and branch isn't moving. He climbs up on and then he jumps down into the water, makes a big splash. Hooting, hollering, they all start splashing around and playing. Me and Bobby are like, Look, something happened with the yeah. let's let's not announce where we are. Let's get the heck out of here. So we start heading up the creek back up to where we had been and we're almost around the bend and Bobby has stopped and looked back and tells me to look and I turn around and look and the branch that Mike had stood on and jumped off of was now shaking like it was being shook. And there are bears about up there. A baby bear had gotten in my backyard when 
I was maybe eight or nine. So we knew that there were some bears up there. But this thing was shaking that branch like to where we, a hundred yards away, could see the branch shaking. It wasn't like it was the wind. The others weren't, you know, little branches weren't shaking. It was this big, thick branch that a man stood on was shaking like crazy. We freaked out. We just tried to get as far as we could up the thing, and now we understood why there was a fence there. And, uh, you know, you don't think about these things until something happens. It's like, oh, yeah, maybe it should have warned us. You know, yeah, there's a 10-foot fence there because there's an animal over there. So we get up back to the our campground. Still no sight of whoever owns the tack, the fishing tackle. And we start going over everything because everyone's confused. Everyone's scared. I mean, the oldest person in the group was me at like 18 and a half. 18, yeah, 18 years, six months. Everyone else went down in age from there. So we were freaking. And it's like, okay, well, if the branch was a bear, then that explains the bloody skull, horse skulls. But then, uh, like Bobby jumped in, well then, why did they disappear? And, you know, why were they in a circle facing each other? And, and all that. And we started arguing back and forth about that. And I said, well, maybe it wasn't a bear that was shaking the branch. And it was like, okay, well, Mike was on there. And he didn't shake it like that. So, what else besides a bear could shake it like that? Hmm. Then we kept wondering about that tackle box. And we look in the tackle box. And there's expensive equipment in there. But that person now has not been back in three to four hours. So we're wondering what's going on. So we're thinking, okay, let's just stay here at the campsite. We're not going out into the woods anymore. We're going to stay here. We're going to camp out because we don't want to be called sissies or anything. Mm-hmm. And then morning, we're getting out. Then, while we're sitting there, and it's getting dark now, you can see the, it was a full moon. You can see it across the creek above. Now, across the creek, there's fields. And going up, there's a big house. It looked like a scene from the like beginning of a horror film, you know? Yeah. And I asked about the house, and that is a, or was, I doubt if it's still there, uh, a boy's home. And... It was like, oh, okay, you know. It was off in the distance. It was not close. Mm. But it was a cool picture with that up on the hill. All the woods were on this side of the creek. The other side of the creek had like a line of trees, but then open field. Okay, so this house on the hill was given this great image. We're sitting around the campfire. It's dusk. Sun has gone down, but you still have the light. And you look across and you see tall grass or corn. I don't remember what, but it it was tall. And then a slope up to this boy's home. And then the full moon was like directly above it at that point, shining down. So we decided in our infinite juvenile wisdom that it would be great to sing Bad Moon Rising by Credence. Because a couple of the people in the group were musically inclined. I was not in that group. So, we sing the song and all that. 
And while we're singing the song, uh, Betty's little sister screams like only a like seven or eight year old could, you know, can just hmm. and <laughs> points across the creek. We all look. Other people got a better view than than I did. Um, all I saw was someone's head pop down, and at like the very the very end, you know, just yeah. That's all I saw. I wasn't even sure it was human. I just saw something go down. Two or three of the rest of the group, and obviously Jenny, uh, Betty's sister, she said someone was standing over there looking at us. So now we're like, okay. And we thought it's the guys from the BB gun war coming back to try and scare us because we beat them earlier. So we started, we thought, oh, okay, this explains everything. That's what's going on. Okay, all this other stuff that we thought we blocked it out of our minds, they're behind everything. So we set up booby traps with the fishing line from the tackle box and then the empty cans, soda cans and beanie weenie cans and stuff from the campsite. And we we roped around the trails with fishing wire. So if anyone tried walking in, you know, right into the fishing wire. Hmm. And we thought we were like, you know, little Rambo geniuses, you know, MacGyver, <laughs> you know. And we just sit back and say, okay, well, let's just chill out and wait and see. We're going to get them, you know, that attitude. Well, Bobby had to go to the bathroom, had to urinate. So since there were girls in the group, he went, started to go down the trail. And we were like, hey, don't leave the campsite. We know someone's out there. So he goes behind the tent. He's behind a tent. He comes back out and he comes straight to me and he said, dude, something didn't feel right back there. I'm like, what do you mean? Yeah, you know, I, I remember at first I thought he meant he wasn't feeling good. And he said, no, when I went to pee in that tall grass back there, something felt weird. Like I was being watched, like there was something around me. And I said, do you mean like someone's watching you? And he said, no, not like someone looking at me. He said like something was and like enveloping him. And he said he felt that way at the bloody horse skulls. Now that I understood because I felt that way at the bloody horse skulls. I'm like, wow, okay. Uh maybe maybe we should just leave. But the others, they were gung ho still. They they were like, no, 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 no. Then we're gonna they're chasing us out and then they're gonna say, Yeah. We lost BB gun war, but we, we scared you guys and, and all that. So we started to go out to the cars, which were parked at the side of the road, just to check on and make sure no one had messed with them. There are two Camaros, 1971 and 1979 Camaro. Nice cars, yeah. especially for a teenager. <laughs> so we go out and no one had messed with the cars. They were fine, but we heard talking. And we were like, yeah, they're down around the corner. Because it like, it goes, there's a bridge, a concrete bridge, low bridge, that goes over the creek. And then directly after it goes over the creek, then it turns to the right and the road ends. They hadn't constructed anything else. Hmm. Now, I 
Google mapped this area knowing that I was coming on the podcast. And now it's a huge subdivision with like 2,000 homes, multiple schools. <laughs> so this entire area that I'm speaking of is gone as of what, how I remember it. But it just, you made a turn and it dead ended like 20 feet. You had room for like maybe four cars, two by two, and that's it. And someone was down there. We could see the lights through the trees. And we thought it was them. So we said, all right, fine, let's go confront them. So we start walking and we get up to the bridge. And we're close enough that even in the almost pure darkness, their headlights were there. We could see their headlights, but it wasn't them. It was obvious. It was not them. Mm. These were older. These were like 20-year-olds, like in their 20s, grown men, and more of them. <laughs> and they, they saw me. Because I was wearing a white shirt at that time. So they saw me in the dark. So I dropped down flat on the asphalt on the bridge. And then scurried up into the creek under the bridge. And they came around the corner. Everyone else like darted. Some went back towards the camp. Some darted into the woods. But we all hid. And they came over. And they were talking. And all I could hear was... All I could hear was one of them saying... Well, we know it ain't the cops, so it don't matter. And another one saying, eh, probably some freaking kids. Yeah. And because they knew our, they passed our cars. So they knew we were out there camping yeah. and stuff. So they went back to whatever they were doing. And we got back to the camp and we thought, okay, that's who was looking at us from the other side of the creek. They were just checking, and they saw, okay, there's some kids out here camping on a Friday night. There, we assumed we're doing a drug deal, because this would be like the perfect place to go to do a drug deal. Yeah. And we thought no more of it, and we said, okay, well, when they, whoever we saw looking across the creek was just one of them checking on us, making sure we were not a threat to them, and then they were going about their business. So it's like, okay. Then we think, we don't want to be around this. We, we've we got crazy stuff happening on the hill. We made enemies earlier in the afternoon. We got people evidently doing a drug deal down around the corner. <laughs> Something still shook that tree yeah. that a guy can't do. And the fishing tackle, we never, no hiding our hair of whoever that was. Let's just pack up our stuff like there's no problem, like it was a day trip. Let's just pack up our stuff and go. And see it to the whole thing, right? And we'll try it again Saturday night in a campground. Mm. So that's the idea we went with. As we're packing stuff up, we start hearing howling, not not animals, it's obviously humans. Howling, screaming, threatening, all around us. On the other side of the creek, rocks start coming in. We start hearing stuff down on the other side, going away from the road, away from our campsite, deeper down, like the direction where the, the bloody horse skulls on the hill were, deeper into the woods. All the way around us, 
and we thought, well, a couple of us thought, okay, they're trying to scare us out. Let's leave. But then, like, a few of us, the girls included, were totally freaked out and losing it. So we just started, everyone started running towards the cars. No one actually said, head for the cars. It was, it, they just started running for the cars. Yeah. I look around, I realize for like a second and a half, I'm the only one stupid enough to still be standing in the, in the campground. <laughs> you know, in our campsite. I'm the only one standing there. Everyone else is taking off. And I see someone coming at me from the other side. But I was pretty fast. I was a little guy, and I just took off running, and they were nowhere near me in five seconds. I was like, out-distancing them like crazy. And I knew where our booby traps, the fishing wire we had set, so I was like jumping and ducking and everything, because I knew where they were. You could hear people getting snagged on them, and cussing, and threatening. (laughs) We get back to the cars. Oh, we're getting in the cars. They're hurling rocks. Uh, I can't... I think first... Like, everyone tried getting into into Bobby's car first because it was the one on that side of the road and it was pointed out. Hmm. Everyone couldn't fit into one car. So I went to David's car with David. Now, Dave had a real gun rifle in his trunk. He went straight out and got his real gun when all this started happening. Yeah. He went and he went straight to that. He wasn't jumping in the car to take off scared. He just was just he ran out to straight to the trunk and started opening it to get the real gun thinking, "Okay, this will calm stuff down real fast." You know, whoever's trying to mess with us, this will end it real quick. Uh while he was getting that Bobby got really frustrated and just walked up onto the concrete. Now, this is a guy that's totally hardcore Marine, hmm. right? Like, he dreams of dying in combat. That was that was Bobby. <laughs> he goes out onto the concrete bridge over the creek, pulls out two hunting knives, like the Rambo-type knives. Yeah. Pulls them out, Marine Corps K-bar in one hand, hunting knife in the other, and screams, y'all, you know, y'all want to fight? Bring it on! And is just sitting there, and we hear the people in the woods. They're like right there. They're shooing us out. They're throwing stuff at us. He does that, and it's total silence. (laughs) You can see like a couple guys back, back into the woods. They're like, whoa, you know. We thought these were just some, you know, some bratty kids. One of these guys really wants to throw down for real. And they calmed down. Everyone's getting in the, I called Bobby. It's like, just get in the car. Let's just leave. Just get in the, get in the car. Because uh, the one strategic m- mistake he made going out and doing that is he took the car keys with him. So, so he yeah. couldn't leave. So he gets back. And he said, I'm with Dave. And... Dave said he never shot, so somebody shot a weapon. Don't think it was a rifle. It wasn't that big of it was more of a pop than a pal. Hmm. So someone on their side had a we- had a uh, firearm. Whether they're aiming at any of us, they didn't hit anything. 
not the cars or us. Maybe they were firing in the air, trying to scare us off. They didn't realize David had a four ten, a, a single shot four ten shotgun, mm. or what? What do you, uh, I think it's like a shotgun? You know, the little it, it's a, you know, it's like your first hunting rifle you get when you're a kid. Yeah, and uh, I'm half. I'm I'm in his car, and I look out, and I got a spotlight, and I spotlight at a tree where I thought the sound came from, and I could see a person hiding behind a skinny tree. And I told Dave, he's got a gun. So Dave fired. <laughs> he, he fired the shotgun right in front, of, like across me, while he was holding on to the steering wheel. Fired it at the guy that I pointed out. And I, I dropped the spotlight in my lap when he fired the gun right next to my head. Mm-hmm. And uh, he just hit reverse. And all I know is that a souped-up 79 Camaro can do 60 miles an hour in reverse. <laughs> <laughs> he was flying, caught up the bobby in reverse. Then did, like, the whole Dukes of Hazard thing. When we got out to the highway, he, like, spun around and then slammed it in gear and took off going forward. Uh, we stopped at a little a nursery plant nursery uh, a couple miles up the road gathered ourselves didn't know what to do then betty said that her brother who's a deputy Mm. not for that county but he's a deputy uh was visiting his parent you know their house for the weekend so let's go to him so we went to betty's house told her brother everything that was going on he got on the phone and called the sh- the deputies for that county, and they went out to the site. He took me, Bobby, and David out there, and they had trashed all of our camping stuff. It was thrown everywhere. They cut up our tent and all of that. Um. He decide, He said, well, we can't do anything in the dark. You can, we can't find your stuff's everywhere. We'll come back in the daylight. So we go back to Betty's house. Everyone spent the rest of the night, which is about four hours, at Betty's house, hmm. Betty's parents' house. And then in the morning, first light, about 7 o'clock, when the sun was up and it was a sunny day, we went back out there to clean up our stuff. To be honest with you, it was picking up litter. Most of the stuff was useless, would never be used again. It just got dumped in the trash. But we picked everything up. He wanted to see all the stuff. We told him the whole story over the rest of the night. We didn't sleep. We told him the whole story as we saw it. All of us, you know, being a deputy, you took everyone's statement just like you would. Yeah. And uh, then we go up in the morning and everything's gone. We got all of our torn up tent stuff. The fishing tackle was gone. We took them into the woods. Couldn't find the bloody horse skulls. Couldn't find any of any of the, you know, any remnants or evidence. And like I said, it was muddy. You know, there should have been a thousand footprints. We could only find what was we knew was ours because I was wearing high top basketball shoes. Uh, I wore boots for the BB gun ward, and then I put on my 
basketball shoes for the just lounging around. So we knew what shoes everyone was wearing, and we couldn't find all the all the tracks were ours. Hmm. You know, now you could say, well, they didn't, they weren't on the trail; they were in the woods, and they were on the asphalt. Yes, true. You know, they had to step in the you know mud somewhere. But anyway, then it came back when we got back to Betty's house. Then it, and we gave her dad the news that the hundred and thirty dollar tent was completely trashed, destroyed. Then, which me and Bobby had to pay him for. <laughs> then um, the sheriff's deputy for that county came back and said that there were two boys that had left the boys' home to go fishing the day before, which was Thursday. And they had never, uh, they had no recollection, they had, couldn't find them. Hmm. They didn't, they assumed they had ran away. Didn't find them, nothing. Then they were going around, they told us that there had been bear sightings by hunters a couple miles farther away. So they rode off the whole tree shaking and the bloody horse skulls to that. Um, we still think there's satan- there was a satanic cult that was back there. Yeah. I, I believe that. That was not a bear, you know. But, and those were drug dealers, by the way. <laughs> uh, but the he made the comment that we had the worst luck of any kids he had ever seen. So it, it appears that at one simultaneous point, you walked straight into the middle of a drug deal, a separate satanic cult, and a separate loose bear. <laughs> and the disappearance of two local boys all at the exact same point on the exact same day in the exact same spot. Yeah. And that was how they wrote it off. Now, later, I was called by Bobby, who had been told by Mike. Mike called Bobby. Bobby told, called me and said, have you seen the newspaper back there where we, where Bobby said he felt really weird mm. behind the tent where he went uh, pee? was they found the remains of a body back in there. Now, whether it was one of those two boys, whether it was someone different, maybe it had already been there for a year, maybe it happened after our episode. But that area right there, and remember, like 125 years before this, it was a Civil War battlefield, so... The first major battle of the Civil War, there were actually two battles fought on that piece of land. How many souls had died right there? Yeah. But it was a really weird night. Really weird. And, you know, who went with what? Like, were the people doing the drug thing part of the cult? Did they have something to do with the missing boys? Was it not a cult, but the you know, a bear was killing horses. No horses were reported missing by farmers, I was told later. 
But that had to have been what shook the tree. If it wasn't the bear, then what? You know what I mean? It was like there are like four or five different stories that overlapped at this one point in space and time. But not all of them have the same answer. Not not one story explains the whole night. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's the story. I mean, it was just like a really wild, crazy night. <laughs> we were in way over our heads. And, uh Didn't you tell me, like, years later after you met Jen, you guys were married and stuff like that, some detective came to your place, was asking about it again? That was af- after I'd met Jen? Yeah, you said Jen, uh, you were with, uh, with Jen at the time. Were you telling me something about that? Like some detective came to you guys' house. No, that was the uh, okay. Now technically, yes, I I was with Jen, but I was in Virginia. Yeah, Jen was pregnant with Phyllis and still living here. Yeah, I had moved back up north, and Jason, who was a friend of mine who was supposed to be there that night but didn't, he said that a deputy or oh. Uh, police officer who had been looking was inquiring about me about that instance and had information but i never learned what that information was specifically oh man because i didn't live there anymore yeah well we had i had just gotten an apartment back up there and we were in the process of moving but jen wanted to have phyllis down here so i went up first got a job got an apartment all that type of stuff yeah so technically, yes, me and Jen were together, but we weren't together. Now, the thing that happened when me and Jen were together were we had one of those guys from that night, David, over for dinner. And I told him, I had told Jen about the story about that night, and he refused to acknowledge anything. <laughs> he would not even say that it happened. Like, not that all the crazy stuff happened, but he wouldn't even say that we had the BB gun war. He wouldn't admit to anything. He would not speak about any of it. So I know he's totally spooked. Fine. Yeah. Uh, the one time I saw Betty later, she mentioned it. She was like, hey, remember that night? You know, and she had no new information, and her brother was the uh, deputy so she actually would have been the the one to find out more i think yeah but you know we all went that was our senior year of high school so we all went our separate ways so i mean bobby me and him ended up being roommates after i got out of the marine corps for six months about and you know we talked about it that night on a regular basis we would go over it together in our apartment like with friends they'd want to hear the story like they'd heard the story from bobby so they wanted to hear my version and then you know friends of mine that knew my version wanted to hear bobby's like to compare and contrast because everyone thought we were making the whole thing up but me and bobby always agreed uh there's really no part of it that me and him 
disagreed as to no, this this is what happened. No, you didn't. You're not remembering that right or anything like that. No, those words were never said. We we pretty much remembered it exactly the same. But it was yeah, and oh, uh, the next week we Bobby did corner. Uh, one of the guys from the BB gun war and outside of the uh, art classes, the drafting classroom at the high school and planted that dude against the the wall about a foot off the ground. He had him pinned up against the wall <laughs> and, you know, asked him straight out, was that you all messing with us Friday night? And they had gone to see a movie. And he said he still had the receipt and the ticket stubs to prove it. Which you can buy a ticket for a movie and then not go to the movie. Yeah. But he, him, I can't don't even remember that guy's name, but the other kid's name was Josh. They both joined the Army straight out of high school. And uh, oddly enough, Josh ended up late years later... Uh, playing on a basketball team with me hmm. yeah but uh yeah they denied any involvement whatsoever but that one area i mean we know for a fact that there were drug deals going down there there was a loose bear in the woods that was acknowledged by you know the rangers and that there were numerous hunters that hmm. were said that there was a bear back there. We knew that in that area, there was a satanic cult. My brother was aware of that. Uh, when I told my brother all this, this whole story, the one part that he stuck to was the satanic cult because he knew about that. Like he knew some of the people involved in that were kids that he had went to school with years earlier. He's six years older than me. And that was the part that stuck with him. He thought that was who was behind it all. They didn't like that I had messed up their little thing. Shrine. That um, how many? You said there was a lot of the guys who were doing the drug deal thing. Do you remember how many? I know that there. Well, there were two cars there, and they were waiting on a third. Whether that third came when we were at the campground or not, but when we went out, and I was spotted in the white shirt. We knew at that time there was at least four, at that time, four men, one female. That we could see in the headlights of the car. So if I was to see the outside of this, what I would, would think essentially happened is that the drug deal was going on and then all that howl, howl, howling and hollering, they're throwing rocks at you guys, the devil worshippers essentially, um, probably brought one to attention and one of the guys said, go see what the hell's going on over there. And that's probably the guy you saw hiding behind the tree, probably fired a shot in the air. And then and he said, who was it that shot uh, shot the guy? Dave. David. He said shot towards him or shot him? Well, it was in the dark. I don't know if he actually, no one, I mean, he didn't scream out or anything. Yeah. I mean, people were screaming. People were cussing. People were yelling. Wheels were screeching. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, and then how much of it was, you know, just like white noise yeah. inside your head, confusion. But. The part is when he reached the, the gun across and fired it, it was literally right in front of my face, <laughs> the bolt. Yeah. And that made me drop the spotlight. Yeah, 
went down, you know, on the floorboards. Yeah. So I couldn't keep the light on. The guy, we think, had a pistol. I mean, it it could have been a rifle, but it was a pretty wimpy rifle if it was a rifle. Because yeah. it just popped. Yeah. It was just a crack. It was not a, you know. Like a twenty-two. Maybe a twenty-two. Now, if he's into drugs and drug dealing and they're meeting out there for some big drug deal, then I'm sure he had more than a twenty-two. Yeah, probably either... 38 special or 45. But the police were firm on the drug deal. Yeah. They were aware that this was a place for the drug dealing. The park rangers were aware of the bear situation. And then other people around the story, but not from an official department admitted to the satanic worshiping that they knew that stuff was going on. But none of them had any clue that they were all doing it in the same spot (laughs) and that we walked right in the middle of it. But no one got hurt. Everyone was just really scared. Betty got grounded (laughs) for taking her little sister out there. You know, uh, I think the next night me and Bobby spent like a hundred dollars at the arcade. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> that was how we dealt with it. But it was just one of those things that, you know, people have stories. Yeah, I was chased by a bear. Or, yeah, I accidentally walked right in the middle of two guys doing a drug deal. Or, yeah, I once met a Satan worshiper. But how many people did all three at the exact same time on the same night? You know, uh. it was just, it was a really weird thing. And uh, I went out there twice after me and Bobby went out, like I said, when we lived together. We drove out there, and uh, stuff had changed on the other side, but that area itself still looked the same. But we didn't, like, go explore. We just went down there and, like, hey, remember over here? And remember that? Remember out on when you stood out on the the bridge with your knives daring them to come at you and hey yeah over there somewhere in those in that swampy area that guy with the pistol and but it was you know so if someone tried to find this spot now it'd be it's not there yeah it's not there anymore it's not there i google mapped it and now the nursery that's two miles up the road that's still there sells the trees and all that that is still there but when you come down and you go down the dead end road, it is no longer a dead end road with like a farm over on the other side of the hill. And then that creek and all the forest and the boys home. I, did, I didn't look to see if the boys home was there. I just Google mapped the area expecting to see a bunch of green. And it's all houses. <laughs> and I mean a lot of houses. Like, all it, it's actually that section of town is as big as what the entire town was when I was growing up. It's it's all completely built up. Residential area, all the trees, most of the trees are completely gone. So if that boy's home was still there, then you could probably use that as a uh, point as of a reference. As a reference, yeah. yeah. In fact, when I took Gwen up there, I believe when me and Gwen spent the day at the battlefield, I believe I told her about it 
and I tried to find that road, and I couldn't find it because it, like I said, it's now like instead of a long, you know, two-lane road going into the woods that dead ends, it's now all subdivision on the entire side of the highway for miles. <laughs> I couldn't even find the road. Oh. I know, because <laughs> I would like to try to find it and see it. And like, if we were exactly like, oh, yeah, we're standing here, but like, if it's someone's backyard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right about here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah get out of here. Uh, damn. Yeah. And I remember I told everyone when we were uh, preparing this bonus episode that this is probably one of the most experiences that no one, I can't remember, anyone I've ever met ever had, but let alone an experience that you deal with three major things in one night. Well, that's what made it so memorable. Yeah. I mean, that, that to me, the fact that it all happened in the same place at the same time and we walked into the middle of it is the story. Yeah. Not the bear, not the drug deal, not the Satan worshipers. The story is that it's like the perfect storm and coincidence, karma, or whatever brought us right into the middle of it at that point. If we had said, oh, no, we can't do it tonight, let's do it tomorrow, maybe nothing happens. Hmm. If the guys that were not us that picked the site had picked another place, maybe nothing happens. The fact that all of it happened on the same night of a full moon that we had this rash juvenile decision to have this competition and then to then have it there and then for all this other stuff to be happening at that same point is the story Hmm. to me. Yeah. It's not that, you know, oh, we saw Bigfoot and aliens at the, you know, (laughs) the same night. Yeah. You know, it's and ghosts, you know, I'm not, it's not, the three kind of in and of themselves are crazy stories. But the fact that they all happened together, like they're all intertwined. We don't know if any of the drug dealers were in the cult. We don't know if they had anything to do with the missing boys. We don't know if any of them had anything to do with the bear or if the bear had to do with the horse skulls. We know we don't know what the combination is. Yeah. And that's the part that has always perplexed me is after thirty three years, over thirty three years, still come can't come down to a single answer. Yeah. Other than just dumb stupid luck, you know. <laughs> well, I hope everyone enjoyed this bonus episode with uh with Joe and his amazing tale of one craziest night, which would probably make a good movie. The ultimate, <laughs> yeah. the ultimate wrong place. In fact, that'll be the name of the movie: wrong place, wrong time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, we'll catch you weirdos in the next one. <laughs>